This is actually part two of a message that I started last week entitled, Building Up Your Faith. Building Up Your Faith. And so for the next 30 minutes, I want to speak to you about that. Uh, very quick uh, review. Um, number one, on your paper, I think I got them all filled in because I'm kind of picking up halfway through the message, is faith is believing when I don't see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, right? And so faith is believing even when I don't see it, when my eyes can't see it. Uh, let's see if you guys can get that timer going for me back there. Otherwise, I'll preach all day long, okay? Uh, they hooked me up with a timer back there so I can watch the countdown. And, and uh, my good friend in the sound booth there, he's, uh, he, he told me one day, he says, if you go over 30 minutes, the numbers turn red. <laughs> so there we go. Now I can, I actually got an extra couple minutes out of that. So uh, praise the Lord. So, uh, you know, faith is believing when I don't see it. You know, if you're, if you're after something and you can see it with your eyes, that doesn't take faith. That just takes vision, being able to see, right? Faith is believing when you can't see it. Number two, faith is obeying when you don't understand it. Sometimes God will tell you to do stuff, ask you to do stuff, and you're just like, what? In the world, are you thinking God? I mean, he did that with Abraham, of course. You know, he said, get up, and I'm going to take you to a, a new land. And, you know, Abraham got up the next morning. And, you know, he's probably saying, well, where are we going? Well, I'll let you know. And how long is it going to take? Well, we'll get there when we get there. And, well, how will I know when I'm there? I'll let you know when, when, when we're there. Or how about Noah? We talked about Noah, you know. And God says, uh, you know, I want you to make a boat here in the desert because it's going to rain. Well, well, what's rain? Well, rain's like when I take a lake and you know, drop it on you. I don't understand. But yet he obeyed, and aren't you glad that he did? Amen? God will ask you to do a lot of things that uh, um, you, you may not think sounds right. just happens. And a quick story, I'll use, you know, I uh, may have him put me an extra two minutes on there. But anyway, uh, I remember when I uh, first started uh, attending Resurrection Life Church right, right after uh, Emily was born, and we were at the Grandville Church, and uh, I was looking forward to an opportunity to play guitar for the praise team. I thought that would be pretty cool. And that's a number one reason why you shouldn't be the uh, guitar player on the praise team, because you think it might be cool. <laughs> so God says, I want to teach Rick a lesson. And so uh, he, um, you know, the, the, the worship team, they, they didn't need me, but the youth pastor got a hold of me and said, uh, come on in, we'd like to talk to you about music. And I'm thinking, cool. I get to play music for the youth band, even better. And then they said, uh, we want you to play bass. And I went, oh, man, I hate bass. No offense, brother, no offense, no offense. I didn't like it. I mean, I hated playing bass guitar. It hurt my fingers. I'm a guitar player. It just didn't make any sense to me. And besides that, it was junior high youth ministry. You know, you, you want to know what happened to my hair? It was in junior high youth ministry. That's what happened to me. Turned this white and everything else. And I had to play bass guitar. And I didn't, I didn't get it. Um, but I did it. Did you hear me? I didn't get it, but I did it. And let me tell you what. I did it. I actually did it with joy. Uh, although I tried a couple of times to get out of it. And God was saying, no, you're not going to get out of it. And so, uh, long and short of it, God used that time period for me to learn to be a bass player. 
And then when I took my next assignment over at the Grand Haven Resurrection Life Church, my assignment was the bass guitar player on the praise team. Well, by that time, I now loved playing bass, and I had a great time with it. Have you guys seen our bass player up here rocking it out, right? Yeah, there was somebody who used to tell me, I had long hair back then, and somebody used to tell me, says, uh, do they have like electricity under where you stand up there? And I went, no, and I said, because every time I played bass, man, I was all over the place, you know, and I was get kicking and going at it, and Diane said, I wish you'd quit that. And I said, well, I'm just expressing my love for Jesus, leave me alone. And, um, but anyway, God used that, that time period where I, I, I didn't, I didn't get it, but I did it. So sometimes, you know, faith is obeying even when you don't understand it. Faith uh, is also giving when you don't have it. And that's a difficult statement for some people. Even some mature Christians have a difficulty with that, that idea. But you know what? It, it doesn't take faith to give what you have. That just takes a decision. But to make a decision to give what you don't have... That's a whole nother enchilada, y'all, okay? And it takes faith to do that kind of thing. So faith is, uh, is giving when I don't have it, but it's even more than that. And that brings us now to number four where we pick up, I just did a review of all of part one and uh, part two of uh, building up your faith. I'm going to pick up with number four, and that is this. Faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. Hello? Come on, y'all. Now, that's the opposite of our culture. Our culture says, do everything based on your feelings. In other words, if it feels good, do it. If it feels real good, do it twice. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Do whatever feels good. If it matches your emotions, if it matches who you are, if everything and all the planets are in alignment then go ahead and do it. In other words, live by your emotions. As children of God, we're not called to live by our emotions. We're called to live by faith. And what happens when you live by emotions, then you end up being manipulated by whatever mood you're in at that given moment. Can I help you? The worst thing you can possibly ever do is to live your life being led by your mood. That, you know, that that could be a disaster real quick. I mean... Mature people live by commitment, not by emotions. And a commitment means that you're compelled to do something whether you feel like it or whether you don't, no matter what's going on. See, because emotions come and go, moods come and go, feelings come and go. But a commitment to stand fast and to have strong faith, to be persistent in the Lord, isn't based on how you feel on any given day at all. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, and I, I quote this all the time from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It's going to be on the screen, I believe, in the New Living Translation where it says, Let's not get tired of doing what is good. <clears throat> because at just the right time, everybody say the right time. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest, a blessing, if we don't give up. Don't ever get tired of doing the right thing, for you will reap in due season. Our problem is we think due season is now season. God says, I know when due season is, and it may not be right now, 
So we have to be persistent between the seed time and the harvest time. And in between that, we can't shrink back. We can't fall back. we got to press forward and be persistent in it. Can you say amen? amen? The answer is to just keep persisting. Keep doing the right thing even when you don't feel like it. Keep persisting. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm going to tell on myself a little bit, and I, I know this would just be me because I do pastor, after all, a perfect church in every way, filled with perfect people. Just look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Actually, look at your neighbor on your right and say, he's talking about you. Now look at your other neighbor who was your second choice and go, I don't think he's talking about you. But I don't always feel like being nice to people. What, you do? See, I told you all were holding on. <gasps> Pastor! I'm always nice to everybody. I mean, sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to be a little selfish. Grumpy. Shh, you be quiet, woman. <laughs> Grouchy. Demanding. Amen. All the husbands are sitting there scared stiff right now. Uh, sometimes I just want to be waited on. Did Diane say amen? Did we record that? She said, she said amen. Sometimes I don't feel like serving my wife. Sometimes I don't feel like helping my kids. Y'all quit staring at me like y'all holy now. We're all holier than that. Sometimes I don't even feel like talking to you. I got a brother, he's going, yeah, I don't feel like talking to you either. <laughs> this may shock you, if I haven't already. But sometimes I don't even feel like praying. And I don't feel like reading my Bible. But I've discovered that when I don't feel like it, any of those things that I just mentioned, is probably when I need to do those things the most. It's when I need to be more attentive to my wife. It's when I need to be more giving and generous to other people. It's when I need to pray more and read my Bible more. Because if the, the, the deal is if that I have discovered is that if I wait until I feel like it, the devil will make sure I never feel like it. So it isn't based on feelings. Loving my beautiful bride is not based on feelings. It's based on a choice. A choice for 500,365 hours. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I should have went on to minutes. But I don't have any more hair to lose. So I have to keep doing it even when I don't feel like it. I'm no different than the rest of you other than when God said, Rick, I want you to pastor a church and stand behind the pulpit and part my word. That's, that's really the only, only difference. You, you have a job standing in, a, in, in an assembly line or turning a wrench as a mechanic or whatever it may be that you do. We all have things that we do in life. This is my calling in life. But other than that, I'm a human being. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm, I'm a person just like all the rest of you. And I got my failures and I have my successes. 
The difference is that God asked me and has me many times, much to my chagrin, drag my messes up here in front of y'all. Thank you very much. I think we ought to have reverse Sunday. Michael, we should call it reverse Sunday. That means I sit down there while y'all drag all your messes up here for all of us to see. And then share how God delivered you out of it. So I have to keep on doing. I have to keep persisting in spite of how I feel. And quite frankly, that's the secret to success in life. Successful people are simply ordinary people who do what the average person doesn't feel like doing. Are you listening to me? That's a spiritual thing as well. I mean, how do you get to be an Olympic or professional athlete? Hours upon hours of exercising and practicing. And I would imagine that if you ask any one of those uh, Olympians or professional athletes, do you, you really enjoy working out six or eight hours a day? I can imagine they would say, no! We enjoy the end run, but we don't enjoy what it took to get us there. Or a master musician who I do not consider myself a master musician by any stretch of the imagination, but there's a, you know, you might ask that person, do you always feel like practicing, you know, hours a day to be an expert at your instrument? And I can, I can answer that question, no! No, I mean, I used to practice until my fingers bled, and I didn't enjoy that, but I, I gave it all of my life to, to practice that instrument and to become better and better at it. And I lost a lot of students, usually within the first lesson or two of teaching them guitar, when I said, I want you to put your fingers on the strings and slide them up and down until your fingers bleed, and then we'll get started. Aren't you glad I don't do that to you spiritually? <laughs> my brother's going, oh, man. I remember I started giving little Declan lessons. I didn't make him do that, but I made him push that string down. And I went, no, no, it's got to make a noise. Or it's got to make a musical sound, not a noise. Push it down harder. And it still just made this kind of rattling noise. So I, I reached up there and squeezed his little finger on that string, and he pulled it off, and there was a groove right down there. And it didn't cut him, but it just left a groove. And he's thinking, you know, I don't think he's ever, he hasn't he played since. You know? <laughs> you know, if it involves pain, I'm not going to do it. So, so, you know, the godly man or the godly woman does not become that way by happenstance or by accident. It's because that person chose to do things the right way and to be persistent in developing habits, good habits, that develop their spiritual life, whether they like to do it or not. Can I get a better amen? Because apparently this church doesn't like saying amen to the preacher. Not this morning anyway. Just do it whether you like it or not, okay? Amen. Praise God. Faith is being persistent. Faith is refusing to give up. Faith is doing the right thing even when you're tired, even when you're moody, and especially when no one else is noticing. Faith is persistent. And How do you develop persistence? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 27, And it gives us an example by a man named Moses. We've all heard of him. And it was by faith that Moses left the land, Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Here's how you develop persistence. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. That's how you keep on going, y'all. 
And why would you have to keep on going? Because something's trying to get you to stop. And you keep your eyes upon the Father God, you will be persistent in what you do. You know the story of Moses. He led an entire nation who had been in slavery for over 400 years. He led them out across the wilderness. He led them through the Red Sea. He led them out on the Sinai Peninsula. And they traveled around in circles for 40 years. 40 years, y'all. There's some persistence right there. And they were waiting. There was waiting on God to get the people ready to go into the promised land. A 40-year wait is a long time to wait in the desert. Can I get a witness? How do you be persistent? The Bible tells us in that last phrase, Moses held on to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. Oh, praise God. He, his key was to keep his eyes on God. And when you don't feel like it, when your persistence is, when you're got, you get up and go, has got up and went, <laughs> you know what, just keep your eyes on God and keep on going. Some of you today, I could only imagine, are probably at the quitting point. You're at that place where you feel like you're giving up on this or that, whether man, I'm giving up on my job or I'm giving up on my marriage or you're ready to get rid of that boyfriend or that girlfriend or you're ready to quit going to school because it just seems too hard or you're ready to change careers because I don't like the people there. It just isn't going right. Or I'm going to give up on my dream. I'm going to give up on the dream of ever getting married. I'm going to give up on the dream of ever having children. And you know what? Whatever that may be, you've got to just keep persistent and have faith in God to keep going no matter what. Can I get a witness in the house of God? Some of you may feel like your health situation is hopeless and that you're never going to overcome that thing in your life. You may be even saying the words, I'm never going to get any better. Some of you think maybe your finances are hopeless and you've probably let it come out of your mouth. I don't think we'll ever get out of debt. It's just going to continue to be a rat race for the rest of our life. And you feel like giving up. But I believe with all my heart that God brought you here this morning so that he could say to you, don't give up. You hang in there. You keep believing even when you don't see it. You keep obeying even when you don't understand it. And you keep giving even when you don't have it. And you be persistent even when you don't feel like it. I wish somebody would praise the Lord in the house of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was pretty persistent about keeping that one going, wasn't I? I better move on to number five. My time runneth by. Faith is being thankful to God before you receive it. What? Thanking God even before I receive it? A good example of this is in Joshua, uh, a story about Joshua and, and, the, and the walls of Jericho as related in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, where it says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after the people had marched around them for seven days. After the, Moses had led the people out of Israel from Pharaoh into the promised land, the leadership changed over to Joshua, and they were instructed to go overtake the land, and overtake uh, and the capital of the land was Jericho. It was the most fortified city in all of the land. And there was no chance at all that a bunch of ex-slaves were going to take it over because it was considered impenetrable. No one could get past this city. And so they show up and they have this idea that we're just going to march around the city. And then on that last, and we're going to march quietly. 
And on that last day, we're going to start praising God. We're going to start thanking God. And when we've made it all the way around the seventh time, we're going to let out a shout of hallelujah, praise be unto God as loud as we can. And they did that, and guess what happened? They got the victory. The walls come tumbling down. Friends, you need to understand that faith is not believing that God can do something. Because God can do things whether you believe or whether you don't believe. God can do it. His ability is not dependent upon how I think or what you think about him or his ability to do things. Faith is not believing God can do something. And faith is also not believing God. Now, this one's going to mess with your holy cow. Faith is also not believing God will do something. Let me help you. Faith is believing God has already done something. Come on. He's already at work for me. I'm just waiting to see it manifested in my life. It's not going to be. It has happened. I just got to get in the right place. Amen. Faith is believing that God has already done something on your behalf, and now you just got to be patient. Be patient for it to bring itself into a manifest realization. Amen. Thanking God in advance. Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them, the scripture says. Believe it. Believe you'll receive it and then you'll get it. It's got to line up with the word of God, right? And just be thankful before it ever comes. Okay. Let's say, for example, uh, I called Steve up here. And I said, Steve, I, gotta, I have a check for you for $5,000. <laughs> and if I gave, let's just say this is a check for $5,000, and I give this to you, you'd probably... Thank you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> it's just a piece of paper. It's just a check. But why did he say thank you? even though he did not yet have $5,000 bills in his hand because he believed in the guy who signed it, that I was good for it. Thank you, Steve. You, we didn't even rehearse that. He just fell right into that one right there. You know, you're, you're thanking in advance. As far as he knows, that could have just been a made-up check signed by Mickey Mouse. You know, or there was no money in the bank. Just wanted to make him feel good. No, he believed it because I, you, I was good for it. He knew that I would come through. And that's thanking God in advance. If you wait until after prayer has been answered to begin to thank God, I can tell you right now, that's not faith. That's just gratitude. That's just gratitude. But you've got to have faith in advance to believe that God has already, this is the kicker, not can he do something? Because we know he can. Not will he do something? Because we know he will. But begin to thank him in advance before it's ever even happened. That's where faith really kicks in. Amen? <clears throat> Let me move on to number six. I think this is the last one on your paper. What is faith? Faith is faith is uh, God says I want you to go kill Moby Dick and you take tartar sauce with you. That's that's faith. Oh. 
Just go ahead and take the tartar sauce with you because you're going to have fish later on. Praise God. Number six, faith is trusting. Oh, you're not going to like this one. Even when you don't get it. Not that you don't understand it, but you prayed for something and you didn't get it. Is that, has that ever happened to anybody? Or is there somebody in the room who everything you pray for you get? Because if that's you, you're going to lay hands on me this morning and impart some of that. We've all prayed prayers that we didn't get what we asked for. And some of us ought to be thanking God that we didn't get what we asked for. Right on? Some people try to treat God like he's a vending machine. You know, just put a little coin of faith in there and pick what you want, and it's going to happen. It'll, come, it'll make its way out the vending machine sooner or later. But God is not a vending machine. God is not going to give you everything you ask for. He said, I'll meet all your needs, not all your greeds. Okay? He will meet all your needs, and there's a big difference. And God's not some kind of vending machine where you put in a prayer and you automatically get everything you want. Anybody who's been teaching you the idea that if you just have enough faith, all is going to be well, and you'll never, ever, ever have any problems because you got faith. You'll never, ever, ever be sick because you got faith. Everything's always going to be rosy, and it's always going to go perfectly good. Now, I don't want you to say amen. I want you to just look at me and go, baloney. All right, that's baloney. Bible doesn't teach us that. See, God's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. God is more interested in making you holy than he is in making you happy. Now, I'm not speaking against faith. I'm just telling you, you know, truth, true faith, you know, is still believing even when you don't get the answer, answer you've been asking for. And we've all been in that situation. God knows that holiness is the way to genuine happiness, and he wants you to be walking a life of holiness. And if God just gave you everything that you ask for, you'd just be a spoiled, rotten brat. God does not do that. Let me, you know, here's, let me give you a truth. God hears and answers every prayer. Truth number one. God hears and he does answer every single prayer. Truth number two, he doesn't always answer it the way you want him to. That's a realization that we have. In fact, like I said, if, uh, if when you pray God says yes to everything, uh, you, we would just become spoiled, rotten kids. You know, God's going to say the, a, a couple, maybe three or four answers that you might get. One of them might be, well, no. You might, God, will you do this for me? No. Well, you got your answer. The other one might, might be, well, not yet, which means I just got to keep being persistent. And maybe, uh, maybe God says, yes. We like that. We like the yes, right? We like the yes. Or, or then the fourth one might be, well, uh, I got a better idea. And help me know God's smarter than you. Come on, y'all. And, and God says, I got a better idea. No, 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 no. I want the yes answer. I don't want the better idea. Your faith is trusting God even when you don't get the answer that you expected because if you don't get the answer you expected, you need to keep trusting in him because he might be trying to show you, I got a better plan for you 
than what you think you're looking for. I've heard your prayer, but the answer right now is you need to listen to me more because I got a better answer for you. That takes faith. That takes submission to the Lord God to go, all right, I guess I can do that. Living by faith does not keep you exempt from problems. Living by faith does not keep you exempt from persecutions and troubles. If you don't believe that, just ask Christians in third world countries right now. Sometimes we pray for God to remove the problem, and instead he leaves the problem there in front of you to give you strength to go through that issue, to give you strength to go through that, because he knows on the other side of the fire, if you'll be persistent, you're going to be stronger, you're going to be better than you were before you ever went in there. Amen. God, amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a praise. Anybody can trust God when things are going great. Anybody can give when, you're, when you've got lots of extra money around. Anybody can persist when the finish line is only a couple inches away. Anybody can believe when it's right there in front of them. But real faith, my brothers and sisters, is built up in the valleys of life. When the troubles come, when you get the bad doctor's report, when you get the bad whatever, financial report, whatever it may be in your life, when things seem to be unraveling all around you, that's when faith kicks in. And that's when true faith is really something to hold on to because it's entrusting God. Just like we had that song, if the praise team will come on up here that song we sang a while ago, I've asked them to do it again. We will not be shaken. Faith is first believing even when you don't see it. Secondly, faith is obeying even when you don't understand it. The third thing, faith is giving even when you don't have it. Number four, faith is thanking God before you ever even receive it. Most of this goes against human thinking. In fact, all of it probably does. Faith is being persistent even when I don't feel like it. Faith is trusting even if I don't get what I want. <laughs> Come on, y'all. So I ask you to look at yourself and say, well, which one of these aspects of faith do I need to work on? <clears throat> and your, might, your answer might be, well, pastor, all of them. Or maybe there's a certain area of your life where you can look at one of these six things and go, boy, that right there is my hurdle right now. That's the one thing I need God's grace for right now in my life. Which one do you need to work on? And I want you to think about that. Do you need to work on believing even when you don't see it? Do you need to start obeying even when you don't understand it? Are you in a position where you need to give even when you don't know how you'll have it? Are you in that place where you need to persist because right now you don't feel like it? The spirit of quit is on you. have been there, y'all. I was there last August in my life where the spirit of quit was all over me. And I'm so thankful to Quest and what took place at Quest, where I went there seeking God to help me to persist through that. And I came out the other side of that 
that fire and the other side of that storm so invigorated and renewed and revived and rebuilt up and refreshed that there's no quit anywhere near me, near me. And I've been working on some rocking horses in my, in my shop because I, I got a couple sales on Etsy and that kind of messed with me a little bit because now I was building under a timeline and I got one sale and, and then a week later I got another one and I'm thinking, oh my God, I got to do two rocking horses. And I had this one rocking horse that I was putting the final touch on it yesterday and the foot broke off. And uh, you know what? There was a moment where I just felt like I quit. I'm going to give up. And I went in and I sat in the house for a few minutes. Diane was rearranging the living room. That's always a pleasant experience. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the three-footed horse seemed like a good place to be. And as I went out, as I went out to the door, I said, you know, I learned some time ago that I got to find a way to celebrate the mistakes, to celebrate the challenge. God, show me how I can make a three-legged horse sellable on Etsy. (laughs) And he did. I had to wait for his answer for it. I had to be persistent. I couldn't give up. I couldn't throw in the towel. I'm not sure why I told you that story, but it seemed interesting to me when I started. I guess what I'm trying to share with you in this message this morning is that none of us are immune to the challenges of life. Just because I stand up here and impart the word and try to purvey positive everything to you. That's not always the case in my life. It's not always the case. But I'm never going to give up. And I'm going to keep believing even when I don't see it. Amen? I found that the best way to take care of a rocking horse that only has three feet is to cut off the other three feet. Joni's going, I don't really know what you're trying to tell us right now, Pastor. (laughs) There's an answer in the middle of the storm. That's what I'm trying to say. There's an answer when it's the darkest. I asked God to help me with that situation. He cares about everything. And I have to trust in Him. How do you build your faith? Faith comes by hearing hearing by the Word of God. The more of this you get in you, the stronger your faith will be. That's why the devil wants to keep you from ever feeling like reading this. Because he knows that you'll be stronger. The other way that faith gets stronger, and and I'm closing with this, is the trials and the tests, the challenge. These two rocking horses have challenged me in so many ways because I've never been under a deadline to build anything. And I immediately, Diane can tell you, I immediately stressed right out. 
how am I going to do this? Every day it just felt like my life, everything that could happen was taking away another day. And so I'd look on my Etsy thing and I went, 28 days to ship, 27 days to ship. And I was just kind of freaking out a little bit. But it's the trials. It's when you're persistent through the trials that your faith can become stronger. And even the little things, like a rocking horse, can make you stronger in your faith. Are you hearing me? I'm sharing all that. I hope all this makes sense to you. It's not just story time with Pastor Rick. Uh, we all face stuff, and maybe all maybe you don't. Maybe you're not building a, a, a three-footed rocking horse right now. But you, and metaphorically, I bet you've got something else in your life that's only got three feet. If you know what I'm saying, not going to give up. God will use the test to build your faith. He'll use the word to build your faith. He'll use the test and the fire to build your faith. And what we have to do, here's your answer for what in the world is he talking about. What's the first line of that song? Could you throw that up there? Go ahead. For we trust in our God. Go ahead and through his unfailing love. Are you all listening to me? We will trust in our God. You need to have your faith renewed. And you need to be building up your faith. So whatever area here that you can look at and you can say, man, I really need some help in that area. I'm going to ask our altar ministry team to come forward. To my left and to my right. Come on forward, altar ministry team. Because if you're struggling in any one of the, these six areas that's on your handout, while they're leading us in this song, I want you to come and just let somebody pray with you. Just let somebody pray with you. Awesome. Can I have another... Uh, Oh, good. I got an elder right here. Praise God. Amen. Awesome. So lead us, and then uh, you all um, approach God as you feel.